Hello, welcome to Boss Women, a podcast about women in business in comedy. My name's Katie and this is my mum, Karen. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said. Mama said, Mama said, there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, my Mama said. Hi Mum, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. It's a croaky voice. I know. I'm sorry. It's, I'm sorry. It's this um, first week over, and it's been one of the first most week. difficult. On, what day is well, it? Oh, yeah, it's Friday. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a hard, hard, hard first week. Uh, I don't know why we thought diff- that it would be different. Well, I, we're surprised that it was so hard when we haven't done it for two years. So well, it should have been. We should be should have been expecting it. It's annoying me that we didn't expect it. I know, and the but one of the reasons is due to people not wanting to work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been such a lot, and we weren't prepared at the beginning because we didn't have we weren't completely staffed up. So it that has been so difficult because yeah. we've been firefighting all week. But I think we've managed to get into a groove now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're almost And there. also, not so many people came out at the beginning. They're starting now to come out. And it's busy. Yeah, it is busy. I think it's going to be a busy weekend as well. Yeah. So, here we are. The here first we are. We're one. We're in a... Of... We're in a weird pink shed with a lot of random noise in the background. <laughs> so, apologies about that. Uh, well, we're, we're in, in a the Gilded shed. Garden. It's not called the Gilded Garden Oh, what's Garden it called anymore. then? It's just called Gilded, Gilded Balloon. Balloon Garden. Sure. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Gilded Balloon TV it garden uh yeah we're in the garden at tviet uh and it's early morning so that's when my voice is like this and we're in a little pink shed and we're going to do some interviews here throughout the fringe we are indeed and i'm very happy to say we have our very first guest here (laughs) we're so Um, professional what do you think (laughs) this lady who i'm going to tell you all about everybody she discovers new talent and is best known uh, for being the producer of fleabag with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She has also won Olivia Award and eight French Firsts in 2020. Eight? Yeah. Eight French Firsts. In 2020, she produced Shedinburgh Fringe Festival, which Katie and I participated in in 2021, which where it's kind of the same. Please welcome everybody, Francesca Moody. Hurrah. Lovely to see you. Oh, thank Lovely you very much for having me. Oh, lovely. Nice to be in the pink shed. I know. I know. <laughs> You're used to it. Yes, I am. Yeah. From one shed to another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you produced Shedinburgh. You did it in 2020 as well as 2021. Yeah, you? 2020. Yeah. That was the kind of. I mean, that was just. I, I was. Uh, it was as much for me as it was for like all the other things that we said it was for because I just needed I was just so desperate to do something and make something happen yeah and also I think having been to the fringe every year since I was 17 it's sort of in my in my bones that kind of time of year to 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 like sort of do and make something and uh and yeah and so it just yeah it just it sort of came out of that and that was basically a reaction to the 2020 not being able to do anything yeah exactly and I think also just wanting to kind of honor 
the, the festival, the fringe. I mean, a really yeah. great idea. So simple, but yeah. so effective. Yeah. And uh, you you recorded them all and they were out. Streamed out, yeah. So we recorded a bunch. So we, had the ch we challenged artists to do their kind of the Shed-based version of, of their fringe show. So it was kind of our opportunity to, re I suppose, like see again our favourite fringe productions yeah. and comedians um, and, and artists. Um, so it's kind of like an acoustic gig for their show, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we... So we so we got them to come to the shed and do their show, and then we streamed that out to a global audience. And um, in 2020, we we used all of the ticket sales from that uh, went towards a, a fund called the Shed Load of Future Fund. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Um, and then in 2021, we did it again, but this time 25% of the ticket sales went towards that fund. And that fund, we're actually launching it this year. Great. And then that's a fund to help artists get to the fringe in 2023, which oh, is exciting. Thanks. Yeah, I yeah. think um, yeah. I think it's worth us talking about that, but maybe later. But yeah trying to get people back to the fringe because you're a producer that is always promoted doing work on the fringe and the power of the fringe I suppose about how it can launch careers and uh, you know TV and all that but that's what kind of my worry from this year is that that kind of negativity and struggle that artists are facing is still ongoing and I'm worried that next year it will be even harder or the challenges will be solved basically so there will be less people that want to come so you, I would like to say though, seventy-five years of the fringe, uh -huh. the fringe cannot die. It's got it is. No, I know, but we need funds like this that can support yeah. artists to come. Definitely, definitely. And I think like I've been asked a few times <coughs> since I've been up here in Edinburgh, like in various kind of press conversations about that. And sure. I've been quite clear about like, that I'm really keen to spread positive stories around the fringe. Yes. And Absolutely. like be positive be positive because of course, like we all know that there are some challenges around the fringe, but they're the they're the kind of they're the kind of challenges that, that exist within the kind of mm -hmm. wider sector. I think just in terms of kind of inaccessibility sure, and sure. cost. Yeah, it's and not fringe specific. It's not well. fringe specific, but there are some like idiosyncratic things that yeah. make the fringe challenging. You know, in terms of just getting here initially you know cost of accommodation and travel yeah. and yeah, yeah um but um but once you get here it's just still such an important part of the ecosystem and a free marketplace of course but yeah i definitely agree that there's more to be done around um i think like funds like our one which is really in the grand scheme of things is quite a small sure. thing um that it would be good to have more of that i think yeah, yeah um, that's definitely. right and there are enough positive people i mean people like myself who have who've now done uh, uh, the Gilded Balloon for 38 years and uh, we're not, the Gilded Balloon is not going to die because of some greedy people <laughs> that want to rent out their flats for far too much money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. it is, it, but it is people, it, there's enough people around to hopefully to make, to be able to help all these people that want to come up. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think so. Discover new talent. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So um, we should move on to... No, no, um, I would <laughs> like... No, so no. you talked about uh, Shedinburgh in 2020, 2021. Mm -hmm. What are you doing this year? Is Shedinburgh back? Uh, and then we'll go back and ask about how the hell you got into this business in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Shedinburgh's having a little fallow year, actually. Well, how um, do you feel about that? I'm um, so sorry that we couldn't oh, no, figure something out. Don't worry at all. I think it's a combination of things. It's... it's, it's um, it's also just to do with my uh, my own like capacity, capacity yeah. exactly. I'm yeah. wanting to deliver something, having a really clear idea about what Shedinburgh can be, but wanting to honour that properly yeah. rather than do a kind of subpar version of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so um, so in, so instead of doing it this year, what we'll do is we'll launch the Shedload of Future Fund um, mm. at some point this August, Great. and that will that and hopefully what that means is there's 
artists have a long time to kind of find out about our fund, apply for it, think about what you know yeah. what they want to um, what they want to do for next year's fringe, sure, rather sure. than us launching it you know next year in April or something. Yeah, sure. Um, Tell us about the fund quickly. So, do people apply for it? How does it work? Haven't haven't quite out, haven't yeah. quite fin- finished figuring that one out yet. Partly because there are a number of stakeholders that are part oh, of, of the course, of course. Shed- a bit like the fringe. There are a number of stakeholders in Shedinburgh, and it's important we all you know mm. we all agree on that. Not that anyone's disagreeing, but yeah, 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 sure. um, but um, but we haven't quite decided if they're like funds for creative stuff or if they're yeah, funds for more practical things yeah, like accommodation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Katie likes to, to ask. No, questions. no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing we do know is it is going to be a kind of, you know, um, like, I guess, emerging artist fund. Right, yeah, so yeah. something for people who either haven't been to the Fringe before, have only been once before. Sure, um, for yeah, not yeah. age specific at all. But um, yeah. yeah, and and not and no kind of discrimination in terms of art form. So it could be for comedians. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could be for performance Great. artists and dancers and mm-hmm. theatre makers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what else are you doing this fringe? So this fringe, I've got two shows. Um, they're both in Roundabout, which is at Summer Hall, um, which is a venue I'm intimately acquainted with because yes. I used to work for Payne's Plough, whose yeah. theatre it is. Um, so we've got a play called uh, Feeling Afraid as if Something Terrible is Going to Happen, mm-hmm. which feels like quite an ominous title yeah. for our times. <laughs> yeah, um, it is and, yes, it is. Um, but it's a one-man it's a one man show, which is very much in my wheelhouse if anyone knows my work, mm. um, and starring the really brilliant actor called Samuel Barnett, who um, everyone knows from the History Boys, um, you know, two-time Tony nominated, wow. two-time Olivier yeah, nominated. Yeah, yeah. That's classy casting for the Fringe. Very, um, very. And it's a play about a stand-up comedian who falls in love for the first time and then um, pretty much does everything he possibly can to sabotage it. So, yeah. so it explores um, ideas of... <laughs> you have to go and see it. it sounds it's great, really good. Yeah, well, you must come and see it. Like, yeah, it kind to. of explores ideas about shame and anxiety um, and intimacy and ego. Um, it's very, very, very funny. Yeah. But it's like all those... But like, he's not a stand-up. He's not a stand-up, but so many people are coming up to us, ask us asking us if that was, you know, if he's a comedian. Because yeah. it, it's really clever as a piece of theatre. It kind of plays with the trope of, um, of stand-up. So... Um, it's almost presented like a work in progress kind of stand up routine. Yeah, yeah. So you great. never really know, you know, constantly subverting the audience's kind of expectations around what it is and what it isn't, yeah, and yeah. Um, what's real and what's not. Um, and, and it sounds to me like he's a very, very good actor if he can, yeah, if he if can, he can do act like do, a stand up. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he's, that he's brilliant, and it's yeah, he's a, he's an incredibly charming and wonderful performer. So nice. it's quite a tour de force. And we just got five stars in the Telegraph. Well, well. Done. well done. Yeah, well done. Yeah, it's about that. Yes. Um, and then the other show is a musical, a new musical called Kathy and Stella Solve a Murder, mm. which is a true crime murder mystery comedy musical. Of course, of course, but of course, but of course. <laughs> Um, using all the genres exactly exactly Um, and that is about two women from Hull Kathy and Stella who run a terrible true crime podcast and their favourite true crime author um, comes to town and is murdered in the style of the Hull decapitator infamous serial killer and um, and then they um, and then they go about kind of uh, trying to find out who um, murdered her and uh, try and solve the case of the whole decapitator, her murder, and in the process, make a success of their true crime podcast. Um, it is so funny and brilliant. And it's like the perfect antidote to the last two years yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah, and fam. I think a few people have come out like describing it as a bit of a tonic for the soul. So, oh, good. Um, so good. that's, yeah. So Feeling Afraid's on at 
seven o'clock and uh, Kathy Stella's on at 9.50 and they're both selling out. So Amazing. Oh, Amazing. Book tickets. Book tickets. Book tickets. your tickets. Book your tickets. Um, <laughs> how do you find it uh, supporting and running two shows? Do you think, is that your max or like would you prefer to be doing more would you prefer to be doing less um i think it's probably just depend on the piece of work i think it definitely depends on the piece of work i think at the moment that the where where i mean luckily this year i also have a wonderful producer working for me called harriet who basically keeps me in ship shape yeah um but i think for for this year definitely two those two are our max because the musical is quite a big it's quite a heavy lift it's got five performers in it plus somebody on keys um yeah and uh yeah so it's you know and And financially that that must be hard yes very very yeah big big risk definitely a big investment here absolutely won't be making our money back here but um hoping to yeah recoup that um um, as the life of the musical progresses basically um and i think i think actually since you know since six the success of six musical here i think people are seeing like the fringe as a as a as a, as a proper platform, platform for musicals yeah. yeah do you do you invite west end producers then yeah i do yeah 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 and actually it's interesting say. i think well i'm very sorry about that terrible <laughs> i know i know i know the kegs are rolling around <laughs> <laughs> the next thing you'll hear is bottles being empty yeah. um, um sorry no yes can... yes yeah um commercial producers um, yeah, yeah. Commercial producers have uh, quite a few have come already, um, which is yeah, which has been good. I, I do think there's just like, a bit in the way that, and not to talk about Fleabag very much at all, but a bit sure. in the way that when Fleabag happens, there was this suddenly like f- I think there was a sort of flurry of energy from the TV industry around one person shows and is the that fringe. Really what and happened? I in... think so. People suddenly. Well, I think it's probably it was probably always happening before. You probably know that, Karen. Yes. But, yeah. One but, person shows. Yeah. Yeah, but I think suddenly this like this sort of it's as much from the performers I think as it is from the yeah. you know from the other Industry, side like yeah. this idea that anything is possible and I think post in a like post six world because that's been such a global sensation I think for me anyway th- I'm now projecting my own feelings which were like yeah 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 the, like presenting a musical here actually felt like a really clever way of launching it oh, um, and investing in it and yeah. of course Phoebe is such an amazing performer and and the writing is so good you know it's it's to do with that yeah and although you you are very talented and get people in at the fringe people can discover little things like that and it's the word of mouth that makes yeah. it you know it's definitely yeah what's what's amazing about the fringe I think and what I've sort of been reminded about this year is there's nowhere else really where word of mouth is so so important and it works it's still that's what it's all based on yeah it's, it, there's no other festival in the world world that is based on that word of mouth it's, i i still think it's absolutely crazy that yeah. that's how the fringe works that people just hear about what to go and see yeah and then that starts selling out it's it, just yeah. madness but let's take some time going back this over the being a professional <laughs> <laughs> nice segue uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no but we would like to know some more about you Francesca. yeah we'd love to know more about how you got into the arts and your backgrounds basically well your childhood we go- what was your childhood like oh my childhood um oh i had well i had a lovely childhood no my I'm very lucky to grow up in a nice middle class kind of um, yeah. upbringing. Um, both my parents are lawyers. Oh, um, yes. and Are they working all the time then? They like... were working all the time, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, my um, we lived in London until I was about eight and then we moved out. But my dad used to commute into London and my mum, my dad's a solicitor, my mum's a barrister, and my mum set up her own... Um, 
chambers um, where we where we were living in in Oxfordshire. Um, mm. And so actually, you know, if we're talking about kind of inspirations, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. yeah. My mum was very much like a, a bit like you, Karen, like a proper, <laughs> pro- proper like working woman. You yeah, know? yeah, really. Um, so uh, so yeah, so I had a you know, so I had a lovely childhood, and my and like you know, my but pe- did you have to did you have to miss her? Did you miss her a lot? Did she? Do you know what she? I think my mum found an absolute sweet spot because she set up her own chambers. She used to work from home, and of course, barristers are self-employed, so mm-hmm. she would, you know, she would, she was so in control of her time and uh, in terms of work, and so there would be That's these amazing. periods of like really intense working, and you should be off to court and stuff. But she would be around. She would really be around. Yeah, it was more my dad that was like in no way was he absent at all it was sure, more my dad was... that used to disappear at seven in the morning and then you know not be back until 9 p.m at night yeah sure um whereas my mum was a bit more well it was definitely more present mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but um yeah love i mean re- delight i mean delightful childhood really yeah. brothers and sisters. very much i've got a brother and a sister both younger than me nice. um, oh you're nice. the big sister yes i'm the big sister yeah, um, yeah and neither <laughs> of them were particularly i mean n- nobody in my family is really in the arts yeah um my um my aunt my mum's sister was a uh, english and drama teacher mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and my that's my, the closest that's thing, the closest right? yeah my you know my granny my mum's mum was a singer in a band before she got married to my granddad but that's i mean that's the closest we get to that kind of that kind of stuff yeah so yeah. um so we're not we're not we're not entirely sure where my my energy for like sure, the sure. arts came yeah. from um my parents are very cultured they love art sure. and took me to the theater and all that kind of stuff but and my mum i suppose because she's a barrister like you know she's very performative and um so maybe that's where I, I got all of that from but i for years wanted to be um wanted to be an actor and was like sort of like in that way that i think people who decide they want to do that yeah. um when they're young are oh, just like laser focused really, on it really were you. so laser focused on it and i loved the theater um and but it, it actually wasn't until so did sort of, you do did you do any acting i did i did yeah well i actually i actually went to drama school and trained as an actor did you but um it wasn't really i think my kind of perceptions of the- theater were sort of very like as cultured and wonderful as my parents made my you know made my sure. life and took me to the theatre it was quite there wasn't like loads around where I grew up you know we had yeah. the, in terms of the local theatres so it wasn't really until there were two I think there were two things that sort of like shift and change things for me one one was that I had a really really brilliant teacher for my A-levels for drama who that. now lives in Edinburgh oh. who I'm still in touch with which oh, I love, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. you know I feel like everyone has that one teacher Absolutely, that's yeah. like sort of shifted and changed things for them yeah um, and she sort of, she was, she just, she just had an eye on more experimental theatre, and she just like opened our eyes in our class a little bit more to other ways that we could present theatre mm-hmm. rather than just like you know end on proscenium arch like type Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, and then the other thing was that when I was seventeen. I came to the Fringe, yeah, um, and uh, to do my work experience with a company called Scamp Theatre. Oh, really? Yeah, um, um, with Lou and Jen, and um, and I was their kind of production assistant, and which basically meant I was there to help with they getting did shows with us. I'm sure they did. Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the time, they were quite a kind of fledgling. Well, they were quite they were quite n- a new company at That's that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I was came... that in the nineties or no, 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 noughties, noughties, two thousand and. Um, yes, of course. You're, you're much younger than us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm ageless. If yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. 
Um, no, I do remember them, but I yeah. don't know, they haven't given it up. Uh, I think they sort of like separate se separated yeah. the company slightly. I'm not sure if Scamp is, it exists anymore, but yes, they were sort I of... to remember. In their kind of heyday, they were producing uh, the big kind of private peaceful, those kind of, you know, and then they, you know, they were doing lots of kids shows actually. But when I went to work, do my work experience, they were doing some much smaller shows, two at Pleasance and one at Assembly. And, uh, and I was sort of the production assistant so helped with the get in and the get out and I did a lot, lot of flyering but it was the first time in my life that I'd ever gone somewhere uh, th and stayed away from my family that wasn't with my friends sure so I just came on my own I oh, mean it came on you? my own and I, I'd only met them once and yeah. I lived in this and house 17 I was 17 and yeah. I lived and basically they had they just pretended to everyone that I was 18 sure, sure. Um, so that I could you know go and hang out and it's in the days when the assembly club bar still existed and that was the yeah. kind of you know the place yeah <laughs> um, apart from I don't know if the loft bar existed then but I'm sure the loft bar was just as oh, yeah, we had the library bar. We had the library, library bar. bar, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it was just such an eye-opening experience for me, just in terms of like my, uh, firstly, just in terms of growing up, because yeah. being away from all all your normal kind of anchors and just being able to be yourself um, in this kind of like magical place that is the Edinburgh yeah. Fringe was yeah. incredible. But also just experiencing so many different kind of art forms and ways of telling stories of just like not something i'd had access to before yeah. um so uh i should tell you that lynn ferguson who's coming to perform here her son's working for us and they live in la and he's 18 or 19 i'm not sure yeah he's, but he's never ever had a job before it's his first job and she is so proud of him. Last oh, night he, nice. he he found that's a friend amazing. and they went to their first show together. Oh, and gorgeous. you know, he and she said, Without you, Karen, we, I would never she he would never have experienced it. Yeah. He's coming out of himself and yeah. it's so yeah, lovely. Yeah, we were a bit it? worried about him because he'd never have had a job and he didn't really know we were like, he needs to know what yeah. he was getting into because it's like six days a week, you know, eight hours yesterday, like it's an intense experience, but you have to like throw your whole self in it. Yeah. And of course it. with you, you were probably working 24 hours oh, yeah, a day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and like going out and drinking it, it's just such a coming, for me, it's just such a coming of age moment, I think, yeah, yeah, that, that exactly. time at the Fringe. Yeah. Um, and of course, I think, you know, people tend to have two experiences at the fest at the fringe yeah. they, they either they either come and they love it and then they, they never leave which yeah. is me yeah. or they like come and they have like this desperate experience and they probably don't come for like five years yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but okay. i had the um the so did you ever come and perform i didn't come and perform except for one year where i was producing my first show mm. um and I um, did you do a one woman show? No, I didn't. No, no, no. I, didn't. <laughs> um, I um, yeah. So I was producing a show at the Pleasance called The Ducks in twenty. I want to say twenty eleven was the first year that I produced a show at the Fringe. Mm. And um, some some friends of friends had a show called Guilt and Shame. I don't know if you ever heard of them. And they yeah, used, yeah. they were on it just. I think they were in the caves. Yeah. The tonic. Yeah. And. Um, and they had this this thing in their show where someone needed to burst in at the end and be a girlfriend. It was like a cameo oh. moment. And because I was still trying to be an actor at that time, but also producing I shows. Like, I, I was do like, this. I'll do it. And like, <laughs> put it as a credit on my spotlight. And yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the only time I've ever, you know, given my performances sure. on the stage at the Fringe. <laughs> and what sure. did you think? Did you think, oh, I'm I'm going behind the scenes. I'm never... I think it was, well, I, I was, I sort of fell into... I so I went and did my degree in at Exeter in, in drama and then I went on to Rule Welsh to do my postgrad in acting and I, so I really thought I mean I was really like 
I'm going to be an actor. I'm totally yeah. focused. You know, did all the stuff, got the headshots, got the agent. But came to London, got to London, and just it was just sort of like you know tumbleweed. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I went it's bloody hard. Yeah, it's yeah. really really hard. And what I'd done is every I'd come back to the fringe every year since I'd been that when I was 17 already. So I and I'd worked every year. Yeah. So I'd done something you know front of house or street team. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, and I'd met a bunch of people, and this person, this this actor who I met in my first year when I was 17 was getting into producing a bit and he asked me to help him out. So the Fringe really is like the epicenter of my producing career because yeah. I would never have met him and then therefore he would never have asked me to help him on this project. And then I ended up producing a show with him at the Fringe that year, um, straight after drama school. And I just, um, I mean, I, I think having been to the to the Fringe a sure. few times, I understood a little bit about how to how to do it and how to manage it. Um, I mean, also, I mean, the show was, you know, semi, I wouldn't say it was like the best, most successful show I've ever produced. At sure, all, but, sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I found that producing satisfied everything that I thought acting was going to satisfy me, but like 10 times more. Yeah, yeah, I was like, felt so much, had so much more autonomy over things. I felt like I was much more important. I felt like people needed me. Yeah. Um, and, just like so, so much actually, so much more fun. Yeah, and um, I, I'd just like to say there that um, so many people come to the fringe, and sometimes it's very hard, and sometimes audiences don't come and they fly or whatever. But if they can get something out of it, for example, a really good producer coming in and seeing them, or you know, I always feel for them, obviously, but I feel also that if they can understand that they're learning something mm. and they can they can actually um find something that's going to help c bring them back because i actually believe that it takes about five years mm. before you really know the fringe and mm. you know mm. especially as a solo like performer than that. <laughs> every year definitely. is different and i think yeah i think ex exactly that karen it's like the the i think if you can audiences are getting getting a full house is yeah. only one thing that the fringe yeah. is good for do you know what i mean actually yeah. it's all the other There's stuff so that we know about like exactly the, the free marketplace that it is here the yeah. opportunity to meet people the fact that the artistic director of the national theater could come and see your show yes that's what's exciting about the fringe and getting audiences is a really big part of that but it's not doesn't having a full house isn't like necessarily success yeah um yeah that's why i always say when people ask you know when like younger producers or artists are asking me about the fringe I say all you need to do is you need to make sure that you go to, it's really really hard yeah and really unforgiving month actually even if your show is selling really well but you just need to go in knowing exactly what you want to get out of it yeah, because if absolutely. you because it's like it's the best if you can get there's so many it, things it's the best that you opportunity can. for your work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I've seen so many uh, performers get down like in this week and think, oh, it's I've not you know, and and it's actually then that they need to get their second That's wind and absolutely. and go out there and because when you bring something to anyone, you've got to believe in what you're performing. Yeah, and yeah. you 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 shouldn't bring if it if it's not you know mm. something that you really believe yeah, in yeah and uh that's the thing you have to get your second win you can't just go home and yeah you know also, bury your um, head in the sand and see yeah, oh, knowing what you want to go out of it so is it a full house or is it agents or is it you know yeah it's exactly. like you have to really be understand why you're here definitely i think because it's a big it's a big old investment making Absolutely. work here and it's quite hard to make quite hard to make money here yeah just because 
of all those, you know, of all the extra costs that come with bringing a show here. Yeah. And also just, you know, unless you're producing sh shows in the huge spaces, yeah. you know, the capacities are, are you know, small smaller, and the, and you know, two, sort of 200, 250 maximum. Yeah. And the ticket prices are kind of accessible. So, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it really Can I ask, um, before we talk about the show that many people know you for, yes. Fleabag, um, <laughs> what do you think? I'm very keen to hear, because producing uh, on the fringe or just being a producer is kind of, Thrown, the word is thrown thrown around a lot for a lot of people. What do you think makes a good producer and what's important to you as a producer of a show? I think, uh, good question. I think what makes a good producer is somebody who is um, a problem solver, natural yeah. problem solver, and sees that as the kind of core of their job, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So um, even when there aren't, you know, I'm sorry, I'm doing inverted commas. You can't, you can't <laughs> see those on, on the podcast, but like in inverted commas, problems. Yeah. Like, I, I just... Ev if you think about yourself as a problem solver at every juncture as a producer, it just makes everything so much easier because yeah. sometimes there are real problems being thrown at you. Like I don't have enough staff or, yeah, you know, something, something going on with the sound. But yeah. then other times it's just, you know, the problem is what's the next stage yeah. of my show sure. or my project. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's what, uh, and actually somebody, some, somebody at many years ago now said to me that there are no problems, only solutions. I was about to say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought yeah. I'm not going to interrupt her. No, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But that for me, yeah, really revolutionized the way I thought about my work as well, because you know, you, you think about yourself as a problem solver and then you just think that every problem is, there's just a solution somewhere that you need to find. Yeah. So for, for me, I think that's what makes um, a good, you know, that's what at the core. That's what makes a really good producer. Yeah. Um, Do you ever get frustrated being in the, you know, in the back of house backstage? And have you ever worked with artists that kind of take all the glory and and it's all whenever something's going right, it's all about the artist, and whenever something's going wrong, it's all about the producer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's really, I I find that frustrating and difficult a lot of the time but it's just the nature of the game yeah definitely I think especially for you though Katie because oh, yeah. you're like really behind I, I think uh, particularly because you run such a big organization yeah, and yeah, yeah. you're holding so much but people only really see what you're holding when things aren't going yeah, right absolutely um and I think for for, for for me yes I mean I think um the way I've always like navigated that stuff is mm. I um great relationships with my artists there's no way yeah. saying that you don't have great no, relationships no 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 of course of course um maybe we've just but, got a lot of artists but, so. yes you <laughs> do you have a lot of artists great exactly relationships yeah. with really everyone good, yeah exactly really good relationships with the artists yeah um and like for me i like to be very creatively involved so that yeah, kind great. of sometimes helps to bring me out interestingly i think in the pandemic i think and not to dwell on the pandemic yes <laughs> of, course, of course um but i do think that producers became way more visible during the pandemic because yeah. suddenly like in a wider sense because yeah, and yeah. all of us behind the scenes all the people running the venues because because i think without without us like none of those kind of the solutions none of those yeah. solutions, you know like you know we talked about shed and brush yeah. a great example of that it's yeah, just yeah. An, a, another solution to a problem yeah yeah finding um, ways for, for yeah. artists to be able to put on their work so yeah, i do think we, producers we, are a bit more visible now actually yeah, sure sure yeah, yeah i agree with that um so tell us the story of fleabag i'm sorry to bring it up again okay. but how how does it come about so i um so when i was still like a baby producer yeah. um i was doing a show in edinburgh in 2012 
and uh, a director called Vicky Jones rang me up and she directed me in one of my final year shows at drama school. Oh, nice. yeah. I'd stayed in touch with her a bit and I think she knew I was doing a bit of producing and she said to me, me and my friend Phoebe Waller-Bridge have yeah. uh, uh, run this company, Dry Right. And I was like, oh yes, I know about that. And she said, we've got this play. This is not Fleabag, but this is the this is the, this is is the the context of Fleabag. Absolutely. We've got this play um, and we've got a slot at Soho Theatre and we need a producer yeah. um, or an assistant producer. Like, would you be up for it? I was like, oh my God, yes, amazing. Like, amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, she calls me. She says, the producer that was going to do it can't do it. So did you just want to produce us? Oh my God, yes, absolutely. So I, so I that met. That is amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was like amazing, amazing. Um, so I, in the, in the September, I met up with Vicky and Phoebe and that's the first time I met Phoebe mm. and, um, and she is so charming. Oh, gorgeous and charming and yes. lovely and delightful and, 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 and was then as she is now exactly the same. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, lovely. and, um, yeah, and sort of met up and decided that I was going to produce this show for them called My Did I, it's a play by Jack Thorne. Mm. And we did that at the Soho Theatre and we sort of fell in, we sort of fell in love creatively with each other. Like it just oh, worked basically yeah, yeah. because they were... And three strong women. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was really wonderful. And actually, No was, disrespect to men, but I think that's great. <laughs> What's really wonderful about that story as well is that Shah, Shah, who was our stage manager on on um, My Did I mm. has stayed with became the stage manager on Fleabag I'll talk about Fleabag in a second and still and is now now works with Phoebe at her production company oh, so right. we've all stayed we've all stayed together in a really tight oh, way which is fun. brilliant yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. that's um, so, so, such a nice yeah thing. it's really gorgeous um, so we did this show we were doing this show My Did I so that um, was in sorry 20 20- that was in twenty. That was in twenty twelve. Yeah. So it's the end of twenty twelve. Katie needs to know the exact. No, no, no. no I'm just trying to find <laughs> yeah. the context for it. So yeah. it's like, yeah, ten years ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's twenty twenty four. Yeah. Twenty four. <laughs> Honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. But I think sometimes I, <laughs> this thing about producing is, you know, the the nuts and bolts of it. It's not rocket science. You just got to be prepared to just you know problem solve and Absolutely. you know yeah, ask yeah, people yeah. if you don't know the answer to things. Yeah. Um. So there was a lot of that. But whilst we were making that and we'd sort of fallen in love with each other creatively and we were having a wonderful time together, um, we, uh, like, Phoebe got asked to do this kind of short, like, this comedy storytelling night by Deborah Francis White. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, at yeah, the Leicester yeah. Square Theatre. And she wrote this short piece called Chancing Your Arm. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't there. And then the, uh, it was like... Maybe maybe a few days after that, we'd filmed the trailer for My Did I at Phoebe's mum's house and we were all sitting having wine at like midnight. Yeah, sure. And Vicky said, oh, you know, Phoebe did this then, thing yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's actually really good. Um, this and thing this, being, is that a yeah, show? Like, well, she did, well, she did this like piece of short comedy storytelling. You know, it's literally a page, chancing your arm. Yeah. Um, and uh, she said, you should read it. Somebody said, maybe we should take it to Edinburgh. And I was like... Well, of course, Edinburgh just, you know, pricks up my ears. Of course. And um, I read it. It was amazing. And I basically said to them, let's do it. Let's take it to Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Let's let's make it into a play. And they said yes. So and that was, um, and, and you know, I took it to um, Underbelly. Yeah. Because I'd done a bunch of shows there. And, you know, wonderful, wonderful Marina and Fee, they yeah. just sort of really yeah. took a chance on it because it was just a page of writing at that sure, stage. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Where did the title come from then? So... Um, we went through many different um, 
like there was the thing is we had to come up with a title and an image and copy oh, before we knew what the show was yeah that's right yeah exactly so trying to figure out what the show is before you've even written the show yeah exactly so honestly like we went through so many different titles and i can't tell you why we landed on fleabag but for some reason it just felt kind of innocuous yeah and yeah. mad well, we enough have a really good no. <laughs> <laughs> we um yeah we just sort of we sort of landed on this idea that like she was an anti-heroine which is where we ended up with that image if anyone's ever seen it of her in a kind of batman suit yeah um and uh and yeah i mean god knows how we forced that out but we sure, did sure um and then you know basically what happened was we got the slot we made the image we made the copy we got we had the title yeah we registered for the fringe and then, and then nothing like, happened <laughs> nothing happened i did all the other things like i got rehearsal space yeah, and you know yeah, yeah. we got our team together but like that you know n nothing creatively happened and then i'll always rem like shah um stage manager now development exec sure. at phoebe's company and i always talk about this time that we went round for a planning meeting at, yeah. at phoebe's place and it was probably i mean it was like june beginning yeah. of june sure. and we got there and there were there were just all these like Post-it notes everywhere. Yeah, was, <laughs> we were like, were "What's see. this?" And she's like, like, "Oh uh -oh. yeah, just like deciding to like what, how to write the story." And there's a very famous picture of us with our heads in our hands like really, that. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over dinner, um, but um, but basically got to rehearsals and Phoebe had written stuff, but it wasn't sure. properly written at was all. Was she breaking the fourth wall uh, in that? You know. Was that was that always part of it, or would be? I think. Well, it's a kind of direct address monologue, so I think there is. Yeah, there's always that kind of breaking the fourth wall in that in in that in that theatre show. Because that's what happened yeah, in the TV in this, show. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, well, I think because it came out of the play, it yeah, felt so true right, to the yeah. story. Yeah, um, it's done so well though. But I think yeah. that's that's sure. one of the reasons it's done so well on television. Yeah, yeah, because you know? it because it because did it something so clever. And, yeah. yeah, but it's done. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of bad examples of that but the way that Phoebe does it in that TV show is just yeah. really really well done yes. and really like genuine or authentic whereas a lot of the time it's cheesy and yeah. you know not yeah just not suited to it so I think it works really well Definitely. but you're what? skipping ahead sorry oh no no it's fine don't <laughs> worry um and uh so you had that planning meeting where you thought that heads and it hands, was all gonna go all of that um basically got to rehearsals there were some things written but not very much and, mm. and basically they just you know they just wrote it during rehearsals and yeah. there's another very famous story about me turning up to rehearsals and us all kind of chatting because we were all very creatively involved you know Shah, me is sure. Phoebe's sister as well who did all our sound design for us um like kind of having a creative chat about it and i you know i came in one day and was like yeah i think that's good and i think that's good and Phoebe always says that i was just like so like well done guys like, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and then the like disappear off and then sharp <laughs> finds me 10 minutes later literally in like a cupboard or something yeah, like, like crying what? like having an actual panic attack yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. um and um and i also because i also had these i also that year i also had three other shows that i was so you asked about what my That's maximum amount of shows yeah, were i had yeah. four shows that year at the oh my goodness yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you were max. you were mentally yes going. it was and things were going some things went really wrong on the other show so it was quite i mean it was a it was a testing time for me but sure, um sure. but it was a good kind of training as well i think how long did you do rehearsals for can i ask i think we show? did 
did. I, I think it was we only did two weeks. Three weeks. I oh, think really? we did three weeks. Okay. It's very luxurious. Three yeah, weeks. Yes, I know. Yes, yeah. yeah, one week was writing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 And um, you know, there's a very. I mean, there's a kind of well-reported story as well that Phoebe finished finished the play on the train up to yeah. Edinburgh. The, the ending because we've done. We did some previews. We did a preview at Latitude Festival and then two at Soho Theatre, and all three of those previews had different endings. Really? Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. couldn't work out what the ending was. So eventually, they wrote it on the train, finished the ending on the train up, and then. And then, you know, when we did it in Edinburgh, like, it was still evolving the whole time. Yeah, and, you know, Phoebe and Vicky. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Phoebe and Vicky were rehearsing it every day. And um, I was very mean and um, said to our public, I mean, this is again, this is, this is the the young producer and me not really knowing but I told our publicist that we could let press in so I remember we had like did you let press in straight press, from the get go the first night yeah so and didn't I tell Phoebe like... about it as well and we had like the Guardian in and, oh, um, and I always remember Phoebe forgot her Line. lines and I, but she really really I'm going to stand back from the from the mic for yeah, this, yeah, it was yeah. like she really really committed when yeah. she didn't um, when she didn't know her lines so Absolutely. she just dried and then she just went lines <laughs> like that like, but like that <laughs> Um, to the back and then you know Char shouted from the back you know massive asshole or something you know that was like you know um, that's um, amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. oh god um, yeah but and then you know but that is the, that, that's the flea bag. that's a flea bag origin story so you know Absolutely. the rest is you know I think the rest is sort of like well documented history yeah, yeah. yeah of course yeah, so. that's what frustrates well, well me about done. getting together in the first place oh, really I, yeah. I mean oh, it sounds that, like it was, main thing. Yeah, yeah it sounds like it was such a good marriage of creatives definitely I think and also just that thing about and I think it's it's a really reflective of Edinburgh actually and this, this idea that you know what's so great about the fringe I've always thought is that it's full of artists just unencumbered by yeah. other people and what they other people are saying they should make. It's just like artists going, Rah, we have something to say, which is what Fleabag was. You know, we were all really angry about stuff and we wanted to say something. Sure, sure. Phoebe really wanted to say something and we didn't have other people going, you should say this, you should do it like that. And just Absolutely, if you can get yeah. here, because yeah. we got here by hook or by crook, really. We, yeah. we, I can't remember, you know, I think the budget was something like, yeah. like £10,000 yeah, to yeah, put yeah. the whole thing on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and, uh, yeah, so that's why I'm such a... Like, well, that used to yeah. be a big budget. <laughs> I know it's in, in the 90s. I know it, yeah, probably that was you're right. The, you know, I mean, yeah. people did it, you know. I'll never forget, but, I'll never forget when we, because we were all so poor, we had no money as well. I mean, you know, it's such a classic, you know, we, we had like a two-bedroomed, like a tenement flat, and like me and Char, the stage manager, shared a bed, and Vicky and Phoebe shared a bed, and you were all sort of on top of each other. And um, and I always remember when when we were like middle of the fringe, it was like we have to pay we have to pay ourselves something. So it's like we each got five hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was like you know money, money, like Absolutely. money was in at that point. Yeah, but tell yeah, us about the, the kind of next step because like we talk about how the fringe is such a platform, but like what what actually happened with Fleabag? Like, did it take a couple a couple months or to get a couple of days? Did it happen all really quickly? Like, what happened? It did happen quite quickly, actually. So we were lucky in that Dry Ride, which is the company that yeah. I was producing, Vicky and Phoebe's company that I was producing Fleabag for, um, that was uh, an associate company at the Soho Theatre. And so they'd actually offered us a, a slot immediately after the Fringe. Great, great, before, yeah. And actually, I remember when we were a bit worried about flea bag before we went up to Edinburgh we tried to get them to reduce it from three weeks to two weeks oh really, really? Um, and they were like no no you also they had already offered they'd already offered they'd given us a little slot at the beginning in the upstairs space yeah that's perfect so actually. which was perfect so you know there was a lot of 
you know, there was a lot of energy behind us here in Edinburgh and we were only in a 60 seater venue. Mm -hmm. And then we went straight back, literally straight back in, well, I think probably had like a, less than a week until we went back to London. And that was a, you know, really lovely sellout show as well. Great, great. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then I think it all just sort of snowballed very, um, you know, very rapidly from there. So I yeah. think the Soho Theatre pretty quickly were set, said, you know, want to do it again, but we want to do it in the bigger space. So that's what we did the following year in the, right, right, yeah. in the Easter time. Um, and it was the same show? The same show, exactly the same. Yeah. Nothing really changed. And, uh, and then, um, you know, and then and on, alongside that, the, the, you know, Phoebe was doing the TV thing or like it'd been optioned as a piece of writing okay. and um, and she started to develop that out. But, you know, that took two years to kind of come, sure. come together. And it wasn't, as, you know, I was very much on the peripheries of that, but it wasn't like a done thing. You know, they really had to work at it to yeah. get the BBC yeah, yeah, to yeah. green light it. And, um, and uh, but but the, the there was a sort of a cumulative like snowballing of, of the theatre show, but it, it, but it took, it wasn't like, yeah, immediately. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't immediate. It wasn't immediately. Yeah. And she was developing the TV stuff, but with no kind of guarantee that it yeah, was going to exactly. happen. And that's a lot of work. Exactly. If you're going to put together a series but from one also, show as well. Why at, at the stage, you know, why didn't you go in with Phoebe into her company? Into what to do the TV stuff? Well, not necessarily TV, but you know, since you were all working together, you know, why have you stayed? On your own. Oh, stayed independent. Well, yeah. I think I was um, very hyper focused on theatre and my career in theatre. Yeah. Um, and Fleabag was, it was being, it was very successful, but it wasn't. The way we think about Fleabag now is not how Fleabag was for the first few years. Of it was a, it was not. a successful fringe show that was doing well and having a few runs and a tour and uh, yeah, you know, and had potential. Um, way, yeah, and I, um, you know, I just I was really focused on be becoming a, like a proper producer at that point because until that point I was working. I mean, I was earning no money from my producing. I was working front of house at the Royal Opera House, like directing people to the toilet in the evenings. And then, you <laughs> yeah, know, like, yeah. Um, so I went See, and... that's a lovely story. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> that, but it's good. That's yeah. fantastic. Oh, no, I love. I mean, I loved it. And you believed in yourself. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Fantastic. I don't think there's a time... I mean, it would have been easy to just go in with, with Fleabag. And you still would have... I mean, not Fleabag, but, the, uh, but with, with the Phoebe, company. Yeah. with the company, and you you would have still been successful, but not. But you've carried on loan. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, and I really wanted to. I really wanted to learn how to do it properly as well. And so I did go and work for a. I went to work for a Payne's Plough for a few for yes. a few years, yeah, and that yeah. was sort of my training. I think my training ground of how to do things properly I suppose yeah, and and you wanted to do that yeah, yeah 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 and learn a lot more about how to develop work there you know how to how to develop plays properly and yeah, um, I'd love I'd, I have to say I'm jealous of your career but I'd also I just would love to be more involved in the creative process of a lot of shows oh, that come here yeah how you, I, I've always how felt like be, that as well yeah and, how to be involved like how to be involved in the creative process without overstepping the yeah, marker? Yeah, totally. Like, it must be such a balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it definitely. Yeah, it definitely is, and I think it's so dependent on relationships with creatives as well. Yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah. But that was a really good four years at Payne's Plough, and yeah. was a really good four way years. To, were there four years? Two years as assistant producer, two years as producer, and luckily for wow. me, 
that when I started at Payne's Plough was the first year that they brought Roundabout to yeah. Edinburgh. So oh, really? I, Edinburgh became completely enshrined Sorry, in my... when you were an assistant producer or producer? When I was assistant producer. Yeah, really. So Edinburgh became really enshrined in my um, my like annual thing, Absolutely. even when I wasn't freelance producing my own things. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Yes, I love Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love No, you've always been super passionate. Like since we've known you, you've been super passionate about Edinburgh, and it's oh, it's just really nice <laughs> for people that uh, try and do Edinburgh every year and make Edinburgh as best possible for artists, producers, and everyone that comes to our venue. Like it's just really nice to hear somebody be so positive about Edinburgh. Yeah, I think so, and I think when you've been, thank you, and I think when you've been. <laughs> as much as I like when you've done it as much as I have or yeah. as much as you both have as well sure. um I think it's e I think it's 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 easier to 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 be positive but to also reflect on how we can make it better Absolutely. as well do you know yeah. what I mean and like what and are the things that we can do exactly. to change it from the inside out and we've talked yes. about that a lot over the past two years yeah. haven't we? <laughs> exactly and there is so much work you know for all those kind of negative kind of yeah. news stories and conversations around the fringe there's just so i i just know there is so much work going on from the inside yeah, that absolutely. people just don't see because yeah. it's behind the scenes I know, to yeah, kind of shift and change things yeah. and make yes. it better it's, it's all become quite political it has it has become very political <laughs> and yeah, which, which i i you know it was never like that it was about hard work and and camaraderie and people wanting to make it and yeah. you know and and in the beast it's still there still that, but, uh, but there's just there's, a lot of noise on the surface basically that's that kind of can take over yes exactly yeah. um so the point of this podcast is about me learning from karen uh life lessons and how the hell she does this job <clears throat> um You've briefly talked about your relationship with your mum, but mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit more about your relationship with your mum and if she kind of passed on any life lessons to you? Because my mother has passed on so much to me. <laughs> some of it good, some of it not so good. <laughs> <laughs> she has habits now that I have. Excuse me. Let's not talk about my habits. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I have a really great relationship with my mum and I think, you know, to like allude back to what I was saying before, you know, she's a, she's a like... Uh, very you know a hard worker and a hardworking woman yeah. and she never stopped working and she was always you know very in like she always had that kind of independent for me from the outside it was always seemed like that part of her identity yeah you know she really held on to that but she also found the time to be you know a great a great mum to me my brother and sister as well yeah um and um and you know she's she's got a kind of insatiable um appetite for knowledge which i've always found really inspirational yeah, um and um she's incredibly clever i mean much more much more intelligent like book smart than me but it's quite like it's it, and sometimes that's very frustrating yeah, of course she's um <laughs> incredibly clever and yeah, she's yeah. also she's retired now but she's a barrister and so she's a professional arguer <laughs> so, yes that's that been be. very frustrating yes exactly exactly but i also think you know my my mum has taught me um like never to apologize as well yeah um yeah. which is like a big thing and i think um that's really that's really helped me in work actually sometimes really? because i think you know uh, you know we were talking before about 
behind the scenes and people getting very frustrated with you yeah. and one of the things that I've had to learn to do in those situations is people things go wrong all the time especially when you're working on fringe shows but any show is basically and it's you know there's so much there's only so much that's in your control yeah. but you know if you learn never to apologize for that stuff yeah it makes it just so much easier because it allows you to do it all from a kind of lovely like a position of power but also sure. you know, a kind position as well so she's yeah, really yeah. she really taught me that and I think I'm very lucky because she was very um she's always been incredibly supportive of yeah. my uh, endeavors even when i was um you know <laughs> as, as like, was my dad as well my dad was yeah. yeah, exactly both my parents were very very supportive all end in tears. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. but what was amazing was once i moved into producing and once i was a you know a number of years into my career in producing and much further along i think my mum did say to me you know we were it was kind of really touching actually because she was just like you know we didn't want to say but obviously we were worried because yeah. it's really hard being an actor and it was really hard and I didn't have any money and yeah um and so but but what was lovely was that they hadn't said that to me they'd just been there to you know my mum had sure, been there sure. to support me yeah she's definitely my biggest like um champion, champion. Oh. um and uh, I'm very proud of you yeah I'm sure. yeah very proud of me very proud of me like almost to the point where she will be telling people my news before I've told them, yeah. which is, you know, which is very sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And I think um, I was talking to someone about this the other day, but there is that that thing about every, every like, every success that I have or everything that goes right, the first person I want to tell is my mum. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you sort of feel like you'll do it. I sort of sometimes feel like I am actually doing it for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah which is Which is nice. So, yeah, yeah definitely a kind of galvanising the the gal like the galvanizing thing behind me is yeah, you know, yeah, you know like, wanting, wanting to impress going. my mum as yeah. well probably yeah 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 that's um, so fab yeah that's so fab yeah so what's next then Francesca oh. Moody <laughs> God what's next well these two shows that we've got in Edinburgh we've got to you know we're working really hard basically to work out what the future life for them is so Great. and that's that's what this August is really about is us making sure that we properly you know, sweat the assets yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and get them on and, and give them a proper, you know, give them a life beyond the fringe, basically. Yeah. Are um, you looking for, like, do you want to tour, is it touring work around the country or is it giving it a life in, you know, big theatres in the West End? Or? I think it's everything, really. Yeah, I think really. with the, definitely with the musical, with, with, we're looking, we're looking at, at commercial life for the musical. Yes, so, and, yeah. but that might include touring. Okay. Um, because there's a, well, when you, if you get a chance to come and see it. Yeah, I'd love um, to. It's you know it's seventy minutes. It's the fringe version of the show, um, yeah. and actually there's a longer version. Of course, there so is, there's yeah. a bit of an expansion around that as yeah, well. Yeah, so that might touring might be the perfect market for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so those shows, you know, there's a there's some small children <laughs> coming know. to play next to us. Very sweet. Yes, there's been some um, um, kids. Um, <laughs> right, oh, lovely interview. kids. <laughs> start, starting them young at the fringe. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It, it's early in the morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so. A bunch of different things, touring and London and commercial and New York. That's yeah. what we're sort of gunning for with these shows and international. Right. Um, and then I've got a bunch of things happening next year, some of which are announced, some of which aren't. Cool. Um, but f very strangely for me, I have so much stuff happening in the first six months of the year yeah. next year. Which, well, tell us what's announced. What's announced. And the things that are announced are... Oh can my you God, remember? I, can only, I, can only, I can only tell you one of them, which is really annoying. I mean, I, off, off 
off, off, pod, air, off, yeah. off air I'll tell you what the others are but the one thing that's announced is that it's a new it's a new play called Grim Brenda which is happening at the Orange Tree it's a co-production and co-commission between me and the Orange Tree Theatre in London by a writer called Ross Willis and uh, directed by a director called Ned Bennett yeah. both like artists I wanted to work with for ages and like Amazing. very exciting piece of theatre and like, who knows what it's going to be because it's a bit like uh, a bit like Fleabag yeah. and a bit like Kathy and by the way Kathy and Stella the musical yeah. is like another Fleabag where it was sort of there was something written and then we got offered the slot at the fringe because we just sent it to Payne's Plough yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of on a whim and then we and then I was just like, they just, in it, let's do it. Yeah, and then yeah, just, yeah. you know, lock the Fabulous. door and make, yeah. them make it, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm a huge proponent for just, you know... I, I agree with you, a deadline and a, We you believe know. you're a good writer, you're a good performer, let's get it done. That's how you yeah. get the best work out of people, I think, is sometimes no, you just, just say, like, I'm committing somewhere. to it. Just yeah. somebody <laughs> believing in it, basically, yeah. believing in an exactly. artist. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot about what producing is, is encouraging yeah. them that they can do it and that you're going to support them yeah. and make sure that the show can happen <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so yeah so that one and then that's the only one I can talk about but then I also have three other things definitely confirmed two other things that might happen um, pre pre-August so that's yeah. essentially six shows My God. Um, across a range of theatres as well from, from kind of smaller theatres to like West End yeah. So. Well, yeah, I know that it's not the last we're going to hear no. of Francesca Moody, <laughs> yeah, I can tell you. Thank you so much. Oh, for I can't, to us I can't believe it. What a wonderful career so far, thank and you. it's going to be even better going forward. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Go and see all of our shows. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> go and see our shows. <laughs> if you can get also, a ticket. Come and see all the shows at the Guild of Balloons oh, yeah. as well. <laughs> well, done, well done. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you so no much. My pleasure. My Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said. Mama said, Mama said, Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, my Mama said. Mama said.